Getting ready to take on spring? Make your first move with the reliable performance and power of steel battery tools. From hedge trimmers and mowers to string trimmers and more, right now you can save $50 on select battery tool sets. Real steel. Offer valid on select AK system sets through June 16, 2024. See participating retailer for details. If a new house is on your wish list in the next five years, grow your savings faster and experience your dreams with an Ohio Homebuyer Plus account from Kemba Financial Credit Union, a savings account specifically designed to save for a new home where you can earn 7% APY, a $500 matching bonus, and a $1,500 mortgage closing cost credit. Learn more at Kemba.org. Offer expires March 31st, 2025. APY equals annual percentage yield. Restrictions apply. NMLS 292230. Equal housing lender. Federally insured by NCUA. Hi, this is Dewey Jenkins. Most people think my first name is Morris, but it's not. It's Dewey. Mr. Morris was the name of the man I bought the company from back when I was young. I'd like to take a few moments to say how proud we are to be Panther sponsors. When I told the team at Morris Jenkins, you would have thought I was sending them on a free trip to Hawaii. We're here for the Panthers, and we're here for you too, whenever you need us. It's time for the Happy Half Hour with your friends Kristen Balboni, Miles Simmons, and Will Bryan. It's that time of the week, the Happy Half Hour podcast presented by Morris Jenkins with your friends Kristen, Will, and Miles. And Kristen, Mr. Jenkins told me his plumbers and AC techs secretly wear Panthers jerseys under their uniforms. When your plumbing or air conditioning is acting up, call Morris Jenkins or visit morrisjenkins.com. That was a great read, Miles. Thank you very much, Kristen. You just turned on the extra... The extra charm, the extra almost like an announcer voice, and I really liked it. Well, you know what? Mr. Jenkins tells me something I got to tell the people. <laughs> you absolutely do. Um, I think we should tell the people the latest as we know it. I'm, I'm sure fans want to know um, what's going on here at the facilities. They were shut down um, to football operations, the team, Monday and Tuesday. It is now Wednesday morning. Miles, you're probably the best person to, to give us the latest. Yeah, it, what was interesting is that everything was sort of done out of an abundance of caution. And when you think about Monday and Tuesday as football days, really what they are are big days for game planning and for review for coaches. So players come in usually on Monday and they will go over the film and different things like that. But instead, everybody was home on Monday. Uh, the Panthers did place a, a player on the COVID-19 list. It's Michael Schofield. He's the second player in the last week. Tyler Larson, backup center, also went on last week. But it does not appear that there is some sort of outbreak, right? There are only two players that have gone on it in the last week, and that means that the protocols are working. Um, so the Panthers were in intensive protocol after a player on the Falcons tested positive and went on the COVID-19 list. We all know that. So as long as you keep the cases isolated, which is what the Panthers are trying to do by implementing all of the things that they've done, then we can continue to see football on Sundays, Mondays, and Thursdays. So, so far, that's what's happened. As Kristen, as you said, Panthers are back in the building as of Wednesday. They're going to practice Wednesday afternoon, and we will go from there. But as of right now, everything seems to be running as it should. And of course, we'll keep you updated on social media if uh, if anything changes. 
this week. Also, you forgot, Will, you forgot Tuesdays with football. I know, and we're seeing say, Tuesdays, Tuesdays now. I'm I'm ready for Wednesday night football. Well, I, well, that but I said tu- I mean I missed Tuesday because that we're not supposed to have football on Tuesday. Like as much as I loved having Tuesday night football last week, it was weird because it was because the you know we had virus everywhere. Yeah. So I don't know. That, not to under not why, to undermine the situation, that's but why can, I didn't can you say just say Tuesday. Tuesday one more time? Tuesday. 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 Can, can we Tuesday. can we have a quick referendum on a doubleheader Monday night football? Because I enjoyed it. I kind of like it. I enjoyed it. Can I we like just replace too. Thursday night football with a doubleheader on Monday? I think that everybody, I think players probably would be in favor of that Everyone too because would be it's in better favor. for their bodies. Yeah. Or what about, well, this is not better. This is not better for players um, schedule-wise. I was going to say, what about one less Sunday game, you know? Like one less Sunday 1 o'clock game. But oh, then that's not good for the players, so now I I've feel bad for even pro- saying it. I've long been a proponent of uh, changing the schedule to make it a little bit more balanced so that, you know, we don't have all these 1 o'clock Sunday games and then it becomes 4 o'clock and it's the witching hour, and it's great. But then you only have two games yeah. in the four o'clock window. That What's that about? That was bad. What was that last week or two no? It was, weeks ago? it was last week. I mean, there were yeah. only two games. There was the two a game where he got in for, yeah. and now he's a starting quarterback because he played the Jets. Uh, no, I think there's more to it. Uh, and then there was also Aaron Rodgers getting yeah. clobbered by yeah. Tampa Bay, yeah. which was an interesting yeah. result there. Two memorable games, though, for sure. Well, yeah. I mean, I think so. You know, yeah. to a starting Aaron Rodgers. <laughs> we, we haven't Anything mentioned the, the game Jets. that we covered, guys, <laughs> at all. I mean, Miles, we're just you let us down that? this road. Well, come on now. You let us down this road I kind of did. Yeah, and now you're like, guys, get get back into shape over I here. Mean, I like, what are, are we, we doing? Are we going to mention right. the fact that the Panthers lost 23-16 to I, I, I didn't think we needed to address it. This isn't on the Panthers podcast network or anything. I frankly don't even remember what you're talking about. Yes, uh, the Panthers... Looked like uh, they were in position to make a comeback in the fourth quarter against the Bears at home on Sunday, but ultimately fell short. Um, some mistakes, some missed opportunities, some self-inflicted wounds, um, and uh, I mean, and that's that. So I, I thought instead of doing our typical recap, which which we can do, Miles, if you're going to get no, jobs, I, I, I don't want to shortchange. Kristen, the... you are the host. I don't want to. <laughs> I don't want to mess up anything else. I oh. just, you know, I just thought we could never mess it. it up. But instead of doing our, our typical <laughs> recap, I want to play a game with you guys because you know I think as three people, four people, including podcast Matt, that are plugged into um, everything going on with the Panthers every day. I mean, and this is something that always happens, but you see a shift in the the tone um, of people. And what they have to say about the team after a loss versus after the third straight win, right? Fair enough, yes. Mistakes come to the forefront. People are concerned about things. Um, and, uh, you know, still the same team that just won three straight games. So I, I have a list of things. We're going to play an over-under game. Over or under. That was an overreaction. So I'm going to give you um, a common reaction or narrative after last week's game, and you're going to tell me if you think it's an overreaction, an underreaction, or an appropriate reaction. Oh, like, fine. Yeah, like how worried are you really about some of these things, or how high are you on some of these things? Okay, okay let's go. All right, first one. Red zone woes are a big issue for this team. Oh, an appropriate reaction. Yes. Uh, look, I mean, if you if you can't score in the red zone, and let's be honest, that that Bears defense is really really good. Um, and I think one of the things that was the most interesting about the red zone offensive woes, if you will, was that Teddy Bridgewater constantly had to scramble once the Panthers got down there into the red zone, and that was because the coverage was so good by the Bears. He really did not have many options, and when you're talking about the Bears' pass rush too, they always can get pressure with four. 
So that means you got to kind of step up in the pocket and see what you can do. And once he starts running, they close really, really quickly. Yeah. I thought that the most interesting play was that zone read that they tried to run. And Kyle Fuller, you know, instead of uh, going off to the running back, like pretty much everybody else on the defense did, he stayed with his assignment on the zone read, which was the quarterback. And he ends up flipping Teddy Bridgewater over, and instead of a walk-in yeah. touchdown, that thing is stopped for a one-yard gain. So, look, it, part of your offensive woes in the red zone are your opponent. Like, that is probably the best red zone defense that there is in the league right now. Exactly. Mm-hmm. So, at the same time, you still have to get better. Exactly. I, I think there are things on this list, and this is why I wanted to do it. I, th- I think it's fun to kind of say, okay, these are the things that are actually – um, worrying going into the rest of the season or things that need to be addressed. And then these are just reactions to this game and a very good Bears defense. I think in this case, it is something that we've seen um, before. You know, it's it's been an issue um, before this game, yeah. before facing this very good Bears red zone defense. So I, I think it's an appropriate reaction to say, oh yeah, that's, a, that's something that's got to be cleaned up immediately. I also think it's weird, or not weird, but after each game, it feels like the guy's like, yep, we're going to focus on this in practice. We're going to work on this in practice. And out of all the things we've kind of heard them say that about over the course of the season, a lot of these things kind of get better. And this is kind of one that necessarily hasn't really turned the corner yet, despite, yeah, we're really going to focus on this in practice, which makes me wonder, you know, how much of this is, you know, execution and play calling versus just these guys in these very particular situations maybe just aren't up to the level of the number one defense just in terms of who they are. You know, maybe this quarterback, this running back, this group of receivers and tight ends are just not good enough to execute against the number one red zone defense, even with a perfect play call. I'm glad you brought up tight ends because (laughs) tight ends in the red zone, that's where they're supposed to make their money, right? You know, you see it with Jimmy Graham. That's basically his entire role right there Mm -hmm. with the Chicago Bears. You look at the the Panthers' tight ends, they've only received 16 targets. 16 targets. I'm not even talking about receptions. They've been thrown to 16 times this year, and they have one touchdown between them, and that was Ian Thomas on that little, uh, I don't know, flat route out there to the right that Teddy Bridgewater threw him a couple weeks ago. So, look, they have 10 receptions between them, okay? I, they it's, it's not like, um, I don't know, I... I, I I'm trying to put this diplomatically at the same time, but it, it it's like you need to get some production out of that area, and if there's a way to get it, it one would think it would be in the red zone. Mm-hmm. And uh, they've somehow got to figure out how to make that work. But I think also what Matt Rule says about you have to be able to run the ball down in the red zone, mm-hmm. yes, that's absolutely true. Because if you can run the ball, then, you know, it, like that old saying goes, there are three things that can happen when you pass and two of them are bad. When you run the ball... <laughs> It's a lot easier for you. So they have to be able to start doing that a little bit better in the red zone. Well, and, and maybe if that is the approach you find out right before the game that you don't have Curtis Samuel, who yep. uh, that's not, you know, all he does or even primarily what he does, but he has been an option with Christian McCaffrey. Uh, you know, of course, Christian McCaffrey's not there. And then even Reggie Bonifant mm-hmm. isn't yeah. there. So those are, if you want to run the ball in the red zone, you got you got Trenton Cannon and, and you have Mike Davis. And Mike Davis, I think, does an incredible job, but but he was I mean, he doesn't ever go down. He's always fighting for those extra yards and unfortunately that Bears defense just really yeah, they're good. 
shut him down as they did they did everyone. You know, they made it incredibly, incredibly tough for uh, a hard-nosed player like Mike Davis. So Next question, Kristen. Wow, just telling me to move on. I thought we were having a nice discussion there. All right, next one. <laughs> In the over-under reaction game, um, there is an issue with the connection between DJ Moore and Teddy Bridgewater. That's something we've heard a lot over the last few days. Overreaction, and again, I'm, I'm just putting this out there. I am not saying that. I'm saying that as a statement of something we have heard a lot. Overreaction, underreaction, appropriate reaction, Will? I think overreaction. Because I agree. Because I, I think that, I think that the, there's a regression to the mean to an extent, and you're playing a really good defense. There's less, tar- there's less other weapons out there. It, and I just felt like, I, I don't know, like those questions came really hard at the end of that game, and I was like, where is this coming from? Like, we, I, I don't know. Like, and maybe because it, it didn't feel like Robbie had a ton of catches on his targets either. Um, but all of a sudden it was like, whoa, DJ Moore can't catch. And I think, sure, there was, as Coach Rule said, he there was a miscommunication on mm-hmm. that fourth and two play. And he probably, it was tough, but he probably should have made a better play on that ball in the end zone in the first half. You know, and you think about that. But everything else, I mean, he has eight targets over 20 yards. It's harder to to bring down balls when you're in double or single coverage. You know, people right on you. And you're just throwing it up down the sideline, and he's come down with a lot of them. Oh, he he's just made, made a, a lot of really one of the plays tough, of the game last yeah, week in he's Atlanta. Made a lot of tough catches. Um, so I, I think it's an overreaction. I think it's less about the particular game, right? I think that the game was more of a microcosm of what the connection or lack thereof has been between DJ Moore and Teddy Bridgewater all season. So I would. It's not in overreaction it's between like an, uh, an overreaction and an appropriate reaction you know like you ever have a, a grade when your teacher on a paper would be like a minus slash b plus that's kind no, of the way i'm feeling no right i did it's just a you score it out it's a grade I, I know i know and i'm i'm like really hedging right now but here's here's why i say this okay so if you look at dj moore's career catch percentage and when we're talking about catch percentage that is the amount of receptions he has over the uh, the amount of targets he has right so in his rookie year, that was 67%. Okay, His second year last year, that was 64%. This year, it's 56%. Right? So that's a significant decrease. And then you look at other players on the Panthers. you got Robbie Anderson. He's at 78%. Mike Davis is a running back that's, all, that's usually going to be higher because he's going to get more checkdowns, things that are closer to the line of scrimmage. 88%, really 89%. Curtis Samuel is at 83%. McCaffrey, before he went out, he's at 78%. So the outlier there is uh, is DJ Moore. And so that's why I think it's not necessarily an overreaction. It's maybe an appropriate reaction, but I I don't think it's something that's too alarming. I don't know if I made a lot of sense there, but that's sort of the way I see it. I I think it's an overreaction. I, I hear what you're saying, Miles, but I think it really just came to the forefront with that fourth and two. And oh, the yeah. fact that, mm-hmm. you know, they were just a, a few inches off from each other and it was a miscommunication. I get it. I just think, I don't know, I, I, Teddy's got targets. You know, he's he's got a lot of different options. Um, and I just think that that is the reason that we're talking about it because nobody was talking about it in the Atlanta game. Well, or at least, I, at least I didn't hear it. I mean, you... I, no, I, okay, so I'll put it this way. I wrote this on Panthers.com and you can go check that Ooh, out if you'd like. Good plug. Thank you very much. Uh, so the, I think, part of the problem there was that they haven't run that route enough. Yeah. And this is where not having an off-season program, yeah. not having a full training camp comes in. Because as as Matt Rule was talking about, 
they hadn't necessarily run that play, you know, in a, a, I don't know, a big, big, big amount of times. So if you have an off-season program where guys are working together, they're working through different scenarios in the playbook, you might run that a few more times than what they had, they had to that point. And then you will not have those miscommunications where Teddy thinks that the receiver's going to be in one place, the receiver thinks he should be in another place. Um, and so if you can correct those things, then you might see that catch percentage go up mm-hmm. as you would like. I also just don't think that Teddy Bridgewater and Joe Brady are – Two people and D- and DJ Moore for that fact, but as as the the two guys that the offense runs through and Joe Brady and Teddy Bridgewater, they're not people that I have seen that just let things go. Right. Like, oh, we're just gonna n- not worry about um, you know some miscommunications to our, uh, one of our best receivers. You yes. know, I just think that yeah. that's and so I also think it's an overreaction in that sense of all right, if if other people have clocked it, they have clocked it, and it's going to be a focus. Yeah, um, that's definitely the impression I get from them. All right, next up, over under reaction game. This defense is really impressive. I heard a lot of that after this game. So overreaction, appropriate reaction, underreaction. Uh, Do you want me to go first? I'll go first. You seem sure, a little. I think it's. I call it an overreaction. I think it's appropriate. I think they they have been what they have done. Uh, I mean, I thought what they did in the Bears game was especially in that first half. I thought they looked really good. You know, um, and I'm just been so impressed personally by the way that guys have continued to step up when. There have been injuries, and I, I I know that's part of of being an NFL player. But I've just been really really impressed by that. This is the only caveat I want to make about this. Taking nothing away from the defense, is that it just was. This is part of the reason I wanted to do this game. It's just funny to me that it was like, oh, this this defense, you know, really really holding things together. But I'm worried about this offense. When at the beginning of the season, it was exactly the opposite. Yeah. You know, uh, it was a big f- focus on the fact that the defense didn't have a sack for the first two games, and. It was like, well, his offense is, except for that first half against Tampa Bay, but it was like, that's this is the thing, and then we're all really worried about the defense, and I just think, I mean, I think it's great that the defense is getting some recognition and playing the way that they are playing for the most part, but I just I just think it's so funny how from week to week the strength of your team is, is just viewed differently. It is. Um, I... I think it's a bit of an overreaction to say that the defense is playing really, is, is really good. I didn't say really good. I said really impressive. They have impressive. impressed me. Well, what's the difference between good? Now we're really playing semantics. Um, I, I've said they've impressed me with the way that they've continued to step up. I, I've been impressed. All right. that Have I been impressed? Yes. It's, it's okay. You're going to say overreaction. It's the same. No. It's this, but it's, that's I, totally fine. Because I don't think, I, I think the sacks are still a problem, right? And, yes. you know. Some of that is quarterbacks are going to get rid of the ball really quick. We're going to see that this week against Drew Brees, absolutely for sure. I'm, 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 I have no doubt about that. That's the way their offense runs. Um, but when you only have five sacks, you're not necessarily um, getting to the quarterback as much as you'd like. They're close on so many mm-hmm. of these things, too. And I think you got to start turning close into actual uh, takedowns. Um, so that, to me, is one thing. I'll tell you somebody I have been really impressed with, and that's Jeremy Chin. Oh, yeah. I mean, there's a sequence in that game where he's blitzing the quarterback. He then breaks up a pass to Jimmy Graham to force a punt. And then on the next play, after the sudden change, he makes an interception. So I, I'm impressed with I'm impressed with him. Um, but I also think that the, the caliber of quarterback and offense that this team has faced over the last few weeks has not necessarily been all that great. So I think this will be a really big test in the New Orleans Saints to see exactly how much progress this defense have made, has made. I, I think it's an overreaction. I, I, you look at their fourth to last in the NFL on third down, and you've, you've got to be able, you've gotta be able to it. stop people on third down. Yeah. 
And, you know, they've been able to do it with really, really big plays at big moments. And I give them credit for that. You know, the the um, the interception in Atlanta. Mm-hmm. I mean, that that thing was going the wrong way real fast. And then all of a sudden, boom, one big play turns it around. But you look at the whole the course of it. They're not stopping people well enough on third down. They're not getting off the field. It took them until the fourth quarter to really be able to come up and make one big play on third down to get the ball back to this offense. You know, we needed they needed a couple more of those earlier on. Um, and, and you know, and, and I, I I like the fact that they're in the top ten in takeaways right now. But if you're not getting sacks, if you're not stopping people on third down, if you're middle of the pack in in run defense, you know, if you're middle of the pack in pass defense. They don't make excuses. You know, they're saying, you know, when the, the, the reporters ask them, you know, like, you guys, you know, for being so young, they're like, hey, we're not making excuses. Mm-hmm. We, are, we are who we are. You know, so if they're not making excuses, I'm not going to make an excuse either. I'm not going to say they're really impressive for the fact that they're really, really young or that they have three starters that are on injured reserve. They are, but that's not really an excuse. So I think in, on the whole, I think it's an overreaction. All right, another big storyline coming out of this game is that uh, you know worries about the offensive line. Um, that's something that that I've heard after this game. Um, they definitely had some issues against the Bears, but they had also gone the previous two games without giving up a sack. So, offensive line is worrying. Overreaction, underreaction, appropriate reaction. I see that one. I think actually is an overreaction, and I say that because the Bears do that to everybody. Yeah. yeah. Um, and so, I mean, and they've been doing that to everybody for years. It's not, it's nothing new. It's, it's very, very difficult to get out of a a Bears game unscathed, you know, and, and, you know, the last few years I've covered teams that have played the Bears. So, I mean, I can go back to 2018 when the Rams went to the Super Bowl and they, they went to the Bears in, uh, they went to Chicago to play the Bears on Sunday night football in early December and it was cold, it was frigid, so that might have had something to do with it. But those guys, I mean, they hold, they held the Rams to six points, and nobody held the Rams to six points that year except for the New England Patriots in the Super Bowl. So, like, that was one thing that was very impressive. Um, and then the next year, uh, the, uh, the Raiders last year played the Bears, and they did that in London. And the Raiders actually were able to have some success, but part of the thing that was happening there was that Chase Daniel had to come in and play. So when you have your backup, that gives the other defense a little bit of an advantage. The Raiders were able to force a couple turnovers in that game, and they, they, they were able to do what they needed to do to win. But like I said, you don't get out of a Bears game unscathed. Mm-hmm. And so that is really what happened. And honestly, the self-inflicted wounds, it was a nightmare start for the Panthers on Sunday when you get a penalty on the kickoff. You know, then you get Mike Davis, he's stuffed on the first run. You get Teddy Bridgewater sacked on second down, and then third down he throws an interception. It was a nightmare start. So when something like that happens and you put yourself in a 7 nothing hole, then, yeah, things can start to snowball. But I thought that the Panthers did a nice job of trying to come back, but then I think that thing goes to the red zone offense. So you got to be able to finish those drives with scores. Yeah, I think it's an overreaction to, to worry about the offensive line. I don't think you uh, – perform as solidly as they have up until this point um, without, you know, and then one game I, I don't think makes uh, a, a performance or, you know, some um, uh, judgment on the way that they play. And, and then I think moving forward, you know, you, you the reaction is, okay, so now what? You know, what's next against New Orleans, against Atlanta, against Kansas City? And for the most part, that group has pretty good depth and they're healthy right now, knock on wood. So – 
you know, I, I think that that's where you're, you're still optimistic. You're still feeling good about, you know, they're okay. There's no reason to think that next week, you know, they're going to be doing the exact same thing or, you know, give up the, the same issues. Um, you know, and I think, I think you see a lot from a guy like Russell Okung in terms of his leadership on mm-hmm. that group. I mean, I think there's there's a lot of leadership on that offensive line, despite the fact that everyone wants offensive lines to have played together with the exact same spots for five years in a row, you know, or whatever it is. But I, I think that they've come together really, really well. All right, two more. Next up, uh, Robbie Anderson having a, a great season thus far near the top of this. I think he's second in receiving yards. Mm-hmm. Um, DeAndre Hopkins has passed him he was he was top and now DeAndre Hopkins has has passed him so the statement is Robbie's season so far is a surprise overreaction appropriate reaction underreaction I I think it's an appropriate reaction um and I say this because we just had never seen Robbie Anderson do something like this before yeah so it may not you know this is one of those things where if you would ask somebody on the team are you surprised at Robbie Anderson's season they'd say no we knew he was capable of this la 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 but from the outside perspective, we've never seen Robbie Anderson do something like this before. He is he is on pace to have something like 1,500, 1,600 yards this season. He's never had over 1,000 in his career before. So from that perspective, yes, it is a surprise, but it's a pleasant one, and I think he's, he's really doing a good job out there. Absolutely. Will? Surprise? I think that's an underreaction. I think it's more than a surprise. I, 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 oh. I'm, I'm, I'm taking the bait on this one. I mean, this is, this is for a Panthers wide receiver – like this is at Christian McCaffrey all-time franchise level record breaking. I mean, he hasn't been around long enough and he hasn't done the things that Steve Smith did, but on paper for one season for the first half of a season he is in that conversation, which is crazy. Like yeah. that's more than a surprise. That's all-time level crazy. Um so yeah, underreaction. Yeah, I I I think I will go appropriate because I see both of both sides of what you're saying on the one hand you know I know Robbie would say and Miles he told you that last week he was like anyone what do you say like anyone who knows football knows that if I can run a deep route I can run a crossing route it's it's way easier and so it just took Matt Rule and Joe Brady to say all right like let's let's give you those chances let's put you in position to succeed um but then on the other hand you're, you're right Will where it's like it's it's great for anyone to do what he is yeah. doing, and um, he hasn't been able to to showcase that so far in his career. So, you know, I think it's an appropriate reaction, and I think it's awesome. Sometimes people just need to be in the right situation. Absolutely, I mean that's that's what professional football is, isn't yeah. it? Well, it's life. Oh, f- philosophical. I like it, it. All right, last one. This one is courtesy of Will. I like this one a lot. Here's the statement. Panthers need Christian McCaffrey back immediately. We saw a lot of that after this game. Overreaction, underreaction, appropriate reaction. Underreaction, excuse me, overreaction if he's not healthy. Right? If he's not healthy, you don't want him out there. High ankle sprain is tough for anybody to recover from, especially if you're running back. That's not that's not something you want. So overreaction. You want Christian McCaffrey back when he's at 100%. Overreaction because before Sunday, everyone was writing their blogs do people still blog? I don't know. They're writing their things on the internet about how you should never pay a running back any money because Mike Davis just proved for the last four weeks about you know how you should never give a running back a huge contract. And then now all of a sudden the 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 top paid running back in the league is the most missed player ever, and you need him back now because you can't live without him. It, you know, come on, let let's let's get back to somewhere some sort of rational thinking here which is that, yes, Christian McCaffrey is worth the money. Yes, 
the Panthers need him to be successful. And yes, he needs to be healthy. Do right? people still blog? That's really a thing you just said over there. Yeah. I like it. Yeah. Uh, I completely uh, agree. It's uh, it's an overreaction. First and foremost, his, his health is of tantamount importance. And he is going to be back out there as soon as he is fully healthy. Yeah. I, there's no doubt in my mind about that. And also, this team is 3-3. Three and three. You know, I, I I think they're doing. I know they just lost this week, but I feel pretty good about about where they are and what they've been able to do uh, in his absence. Being five hundred at this point is not a bad thing. Absolutely. All right, I'm glad that we could uh, you know set the record straight, calm everyone down a little bit, fun. hopefully on the over under reaction game here on the Happy Half Hour podcast presented by Morris Jenkins. Well, Mr. Jenkins told me that the Panthers make him proud, and he is honored to support the team. When your plumbing or air conditioning is acting up, you call Morris Jenkins or visit MorrisJenkins.com. All right, is it time for Will's stat of the week? Sixty percent of the time, it works every time. Stat of the week. Stat of the week. I've already given a lot of stats today. You so have. I, I feel like uh, this one better measure up. Okay. So at the end of the Chicago game, Coach Rule said in his postgame presser that he was looking out in the field and seeing a Derek Brown, seeing a Jeremy Chin, seeing uh, Sam Franklin back there at safety and talking about, you know, these guys are they're all rookies and they're out there doing this stuff. So I looked it up, and through six weeks, the Panthers have 389 combined snaps by rookies on defense. 389. That's the most in franchise history for rookies through the first six weeks of a season. Wow. 389. Interesting. Okay. Is it, is it the most by far, or did, were, you, were you able to see second? Yes. Second is just one snap behind it. Okay. okay. And that was 2016 when Dave Gettleman – uh, drafted Vernon Butler, James Bradbury, Daryl Worley, mm-hmm. and Zach Sanchez in the first four rounds or okay. first five rounds. So, but in but for this Panthers, you know, organization franchise for years, the defense was always veterans that you sign and bring in, and the offense was the young draft picks. Like, and then this year, obviously, it's switched. So, I I think that speaks to that a little bit, and I think it also speaks a little bit to. A more league-wide, you know, I was thinking, oh, my God, you know, franchise record, you know, like, and obviously it's going to keep going up with with Justin Burris currently on IR right now. But <laughs> it's only fifth in the NFL. Really? Like mm-hmm. this okay. year. Yeah. So who has more? Do you know? Off, I'm sorry. Let me, uh, let me pull it real quick. All right. Uh, well, I'll vamp for you for a second here. No, I think that it's a good stat. It shows that the Panthers drafted people that they can trust to put on the field. At this point, right? Because if you're going to draft people, you want to be able to develop them. Mm-hmm. And sometimes that does take some time. But right now, what they've done, and some of this has been by necessity. I think Troy Pride Jr. being out there as much as he's been has been a little bit by necessity and not necessarily by design. But if you can still trust those guys to go on the field and do what they're doing, then that speaks to the way that uh, they were able to identify talent that can help. Yeah, one might even call it impressive the way that oh. these young rookies on defense have Stepped up, which is what I said earlier. Okay, but, so uh, I, I have it if you want it. Yes, which is, let's go. Which is funny because as uh, I've I've often heard, you know what stats lie, liars figure. I don't know what the phrase is. I'm not going to say. That's that. a oh great quote. Falcons at four, three ninety four. Okay. Vikings at three with four hundred. Cowboys at two with four ten. Which all mean that hey, the Panthers are young, but they're doing better than those guys. Yeah. Oof. But guess who's first with four hundred and seventeen defensive snaps by rookies. 
Please tell us. The Bears. The Bears. Huh. The Bears. Interesting. Yeah. Yeah. Well, they've got, I mean, when you have veteran anchors, I guess that's what you can do. Yeah. You you, you plug and play. All right. We'll let everyone marinate on that for a second while we take a quick break. We'll be back in just a second. Hi, this is Dewey Jenkins. Most people think my first name is Morris, but it's not. It's Dewey. Mr. Morris was the name of the man I bought the company from back when I was young. I'd like to take a few moments to say how proud we are to be Panther sponsors. When I told the team at Morris Jenkins, you would have thought I was sending them on a free trip to Hawaii. We're here for the Panthers, and we're here for you too, whenever you need us. All right, welcome back. Let's take a look at Week 7. Panthers are going down to New Orleans to take on the Saints for the first time this season. Uh, I have a question for you guys, and I, I asked Matt Rule this as well because I, I'm, I genuinely am curious about this. Of course, all the articles written this week, all the focus this week is, you know, Teddy Bridgewater going back to New Orleans, Joe Brady going back to New Orleans. There's a, a laundry list of, of guys that have played for New Orleans fairly recently. How much does it actually help? If you're the Panthers and you have guys who have been there recently in terms of your game plan. Well, as I think coaches would probably say they know you too. That's exactly what Matt Rule said. Right? Yep. I've been I've been covering this league long enough to know the the coach speak, right? So, but th- that's the thing, right? So if um if Teddy Bridgewater knows Sean Payton and he right. knows their defensive coordinator, well their defensive coordinator knows him. If Joe yeah. Brady learned a lot under Sean Payton, well, Sean Payton knows what Joe Brady knows. So mm-hmm. those guys can sort of, and especially because they have tape, they can extrapolate what they've seen on tape and then say, all right, how would we try to attack this? Well, that's probably how they're going to try to attack mm-hmm. it. So it's this, it's a very interesting chess match that you have to figure out because, yeah, like if you know them, they also know you. So, Miles, my question, and they would never admit this, obviously, but. You know, sometimes in the college world, you hear about these coordinators or coaches that would, you know, work on the game plan for like a Clemson or for an Alabama in July, you know, to prepare for like a November game. Does knowing the fact that you, you, you maybe you need to, to do something completely different and knowing that this team has won three straight NFC South titles, do you have a New Orleans game plan that you've been working on since before yesterday? Interesting. I think you always uh, there's a difference between a game plan and a file, right? So you have a file probably on all your divisional opponents that that you know you're going to have to face twice because the easiest way to win your division is win all your division games. Yeah, it does um, make sense. Yeah. So there are things that you know about your divisional opponents that help you start to game plan, but then you also have to go by what have they shown on tape from this year. Yeah. And the other thing is, this is a new team in Carolina. It's not a new team there. So there's still probably some things that Joe Brady has not shown uh, from an offensive perspective. Defensively, the Panthers are still having to adapt because they keep having guys getting hurt, which is really unfortunate. So I don't really remember exactly what the question was. (laughs) Do you start game planning in August? I don't know that you're game planning, but you know you've been studying these teams because you know you have to defeat them. So I don't know if it's a game plan, but yeah, you have an idea of the type of stuff that you you start to want to implement long before you actually play your division games, I think. A big binder that just says Drew Brees on it, and you just dust it off and pull it off the shelf on Monday. I haven't been in the building long enough for it to gather dust. (laughs) It's true. (laughs) All right, and then uh, my 
second big question, uh, not to skip over the Saints game, because it, it is, of course, incredibly important. But, you know, right on the back end of the Saints game, you turn around and you have Thursday night football uh, with the Falcons here at home. Um, when does that start to factor into the way you approach this week? Or does it at all? I have to imagine it does. And then I know, you know, this season is just so different because last week the Panthers were in intensive protocol. Uh, that certainly changed the way that they practice and, and deviated from their normal practice schedule or how they normally like to practice. But when do you start to think, okay, as soon as that game is over, we got to turn around and play another game on a short week, so we have to rest our guys more or alternate our schedule a little bit this week. Does that come into play this week? Now, I don't necessarily know how this staff will approach it, so I will give this caveat. But in previous staffs that I have covered, a lot of that stuff starts from certain assistant coaches this week. So maybe on a Friday where like Fast Friday is a thing that people say, and it's true because it's usually the day that you get to leave the office a little bit earlier than you normally would. You go home, you have dinner with your family, right? And that's something that gets a little bit t- um, tacked back in a Thursday night, in a week where you have Thursday night football next because some of the assistants are going to start working a little bit further ahead. Now, the other thing that happens is immediately after the game, and I've seen this in a lot of different places, uh, teams will start the recovery process a lot earlier than they normally Mm -hmm. would. So um, in the locker room, a lot of times you will start seeing guys get massages immediately after the game as opposed to going home, spending time with their family after the game, whatnot. I mean, it's different, too, when you're traveling. Um, so that that's something that they have to tackle, and then obviously there are a lot of protocols and things like that. But the recovery process for players has to start early so that you can feel like you're ready to play by a Thursday. It is very, very tough for players who are creatures of habit to go from playing a game on a Sunday to playing a game on a Thursday. So it's the recovery process. You know, the coaches, a lot of times they will spend most of the night on Sunday in the building so that they review the film and then they are on top of the game plan. And a lot of times you pair the game plan down a little bit too. So, yeah, that process starts real, real quick. That's fascinating. That's exactly what I wanted to know. You know, just when does that have to become a factor? Yeah. Um, now, it's not a home game this week against the Saints. It is a road game, but we do want to let you know that if the Panthers get a third down stop in the third quarter during a home game, one lucky fan will win a smart home smoke and carbon monoxide detector through the Morris Jenkins Protect and Check sweepstakes. If the Panthers get a fourth down stop in the fourth quarter, that same fan will also be going home with a $1,500 gift card, a $1,500 gift card excuse me uh that's important to have the dollar amount in there be sure to check out contest.panthers.com for more details on how you can enter we're gonna close this out with our weird question of the week weird question of the week you're weird you're a weird guy it's not weird you guys are definitely better at coming up with like weird questions versus me this is not a weird question but it's not something that would Maybe come up naturally on you the hear podcast. That? Well, she's calling us weird, man. No, I'm calling you creative. All right. Good, good at being weird. <laughs> All right. So Robbie Anderson tweeted, you know, another gem as he always does. Um, yesterday, he said uh, he's fixing to grab some McDonald's today because it's been a while. So that got me thinking what's the best fast food restaurant? Not like what's your favorite? Like, what are you going to definitively go to the mat for and say, this is the best fast food restaurant? I do want to say, I think in fairness to the other fast food restaurants, we, we got to take Bojangles off the table. Uh, We love Bojangles here. The Panthers, 
It, which wouldn't be fair to everybody else. So we're going to take them out. Okay. So we can have a real competition. Besides Bojangles, what is the best yes. fast food place? Miles. Uh, in and out. In and out. It's, a, it's 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 in and out. Um, give me that double double with onion and chopped chilies. Animal, uh, not animal style fries. Excuse me. Just regular fries and uh, and the lemonade. Why, wait, why did you just take off animal? Because it's not that good. Yeah, yes, yeah, what she said. I don't, I don't even know why I said that. I think it's just because it's something that people usually say. Uh, but I don't, I don't like the animals. It's just, it's a little too much. It's a little too much Thousand Island for me. Cause it's just, it yeah. really is. It really, I, yeah, I lived out west too. I just live. I just want the ketchup. All right, Miles. Um, wrong answer, but uh, <laughs> thank you for playing. <laughs> Will. Best I mean, fast food. Chick-fil-A. Correct. Chick-fil-A. It's not even, it's it's a rhetorical question. It's not even a real question. I mean, because I, don't I mean, think you know what rhetorical question means. It it doesn't It does have an answer. It doesn't need to be answered. All right. When when it's said, it's just it, it it's understood. Apparently not by everyone. Yeah. But, you know, we'll go with it. I mean, when you can have a fast food restaurant where the lines are literally out on the street every time you go by it, but yet you still get through so fast because they're literally they already have your order by the time you get to the sidewalk. It's their pleasure. It's their pleasure. It's incredible. I, I And I tell you this, the top two groups of people in the world that are the most pleasant people you will ever interact with are people that work for Chick-fil-A uh-huh. and people that work as poll volunteers when you go vote. Hmm. Top two most pleasant groups of people that I have ever been around. What about Publix employees? Yeah, they're nice too. They're, they're, really nice. they're up there with Chick-fil-A I gotta, employees. Yeah, I gotta go to a Publix, man. I haven't I haven't been since I lived here. But I would also just like to posit here that you also j- basically just described the line at In and Out. So I I don't I mean you know they also take your order on the sidewalk. That is true, they're but Chick-fil-A is better. So. so I mean I I'm just saying. I mean this is a this is a beef versus chicken conversation really. Um, that that it, this has turned to uh, podcast Matt. Uh, yeah. What is your What's favorite yours? fast food? I can already feel the judgment, but it's probably Arby's. <laughs> <laughs> Off the board, way out of oh, the field. Man. Is it the curly fries oh, for yeah, you? The curly fries. Oh. The roast beef? And believe it or not, the mozzarella sticks are oh. so good there. I cannot tell you. I've, I've never had a mozzarella stick from Arby's. That sounds... Uh, I'm not going to say... Yeah, Chris, why are we in the show? Are they consistently my favorite? No, but are they? Oh my god, more we gotta get out of favorite? here. Nope, yeah, we gotta get out of here. This I has truly, been the happy I have half not hour. said anything for a minute. I don't even know how to react to that. You know what, Matt? I appreciate you standing strong in your opinion, <laughs> no matter what. And yeah, I think I think uh, you're absolutely right. We got to leave it here, right? Holy cow! Yeah. this has been the happy half Shocking. hour presented by Morris Jenkins. Uh, I'm just going to close the show because I, so I don't, I don't, I don't want anybody else to say anything else. So uh, for podcast, Matt, for Will, for Kristen, I'm Miles Simmons. We'll see you guys next week. If a new house is on your wish list in the next five years, grow your savings faster and experience your dreams with an Ohio Homebuyer Plus account from Kemba Financial Credit Union. A savings account specifically designed to save for a new home where you can earn 7% APY, a $500 matching bonus, and a $1,500 mortgage closing cost credit. Learn more at Kemba.org. Offer expires March 31st, 2025. APY equals annual percentage yield. Restrictions apply. NMLS 292230. Equal housing lender. Federally insured by NCUA. Hey, have you ever used Cheapo Air? For years, and I really like it. With Cheapo Air, you can book online, use their app, or even over the phone. They've got great prices on over 500 airlines and millions of accommodations. They're my go-to for travel planning. 
And if you join their Club Miles program, you can earn points to save on the cost of your travel. Book on the app and you get double points. Sounds like it's time I tried Cheapo Air. Call Cheapo Air at 855-247-3279 or visit CheapoAir.com slash podcast.